Good evening. Welcome to this week's Red Voices podcast. Thank you as ever for stopping by. It's Ewan and Paul on this week to the first half of this week's episode to discuss whatever the hell happened at Bramall Lane for last night's game against Sheffield United. Paul, how are we? I'm not too bad, thank you, Ewan. Yeah, yeah. Are you okay? I'm still annoyed. Are you? Uh, <laughs> More I'm than 24 s- hours on, yes, I'm still annoyed. Yeah, I, I am still annoyed, but I've calmed down. I've calmed down quite a lot. I mean, I was absolutely bereft on the way home from my brother's where I watched it um, but yeah the dust has settled a little bit now and it's just a, a sort of continuation of the frustration of this season really yeah I wouldn't disagree with that I mean what football's stupid at points yeah. like this where you can be more annoyed at a game in which we drew 3-3 than at a point half an hour prior when we were losing 2-0 sometimes football's just a nonsensical blob of stupid and this is one of those moments for me yeah. where somehow we managed to turn around a game and you think logically all right, well, you got a point out of it. You should be happy with that. But then, no, no, I'm more frustrated that we didn't get three points. But this is United, isn't it? We've said so many times over the last few weeks, we've mentioned how brittle this team is. Just Yesterday, it seemed different. It was was like watching two teams yesterday in the first half and then sort of from, what was it, about 17 minutes or whatever, suddenly a completely different team. And you're thinking, why didn't you do this earlier? It's bizarre. And I mean, I guess part of the reason is because Phil Jones was playing. Uh, well, there is that, yeah. Phil the Dominator Jones. What a life. He, he, honestly, you could set his, his football, his game to, to Benny Hill theme tune. It's just absolutely... Fun. If, it, if it's an opponent, if, if it was an opponent he was playing for, it would be, it would be absolutely hilarious. It wasn't good, was it? It was so bad. So bad. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of where we kick things off, isn't it? Right at the beginning of the afternoon. I mean, I, I, I think... Without McTominay, we there was a fair assumption that last night's game was going to be difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what United have done that has been good over the last several weeks, you know, that last chunk of games between international breaks was having a relatively functional midfield. And McTominay was a big part of that. And him going off injured in that game against Brighton, you're immediately thinking, well, what are we going to do next? And the answer was a Fred and Pereira midfield. And it did not work. You know, the the first sort of 20 minutes of that game, we weren't under gigantic waves of pressure, but it was very clear anytime we did try to build an attack that what we had in the centre of midfield was just woefully unfit for purpose, really, wasn't it? Absolutely abysmal. I mean, Pereira, he's playing sort of as more of a number 10 over the last few weeks. He's looked better, but I mean, we've said it so many times before, he's, he's not good enough to play for United and certainly not alongside Fred. And when you saw that those two were, were starting the game, you, I mean, I guess who else was he going to put there? The heart sank because they they're not a creative pair of players at all. I mean, Fred works his socks off to be fair to him, but so much just broke down. The Sheffield United were just hungrier, they were better coached, set up better. United are poor in these sorts of games where they just don't look up for it half the time. And as soon as as a, as a team sort of gets stuck in, they sort of fall to pieces. And that's what happened in the first half. You know, the, the, the attitude of Sheffield United was so much better. The crowd seemed to get to the to, to United, and we just created so little. 
And once they got the first goal, you th- well, certainly score, you're thinking, this could be a cricket score. We, we just looked deflated. I didn't know if it was going to be a cricket score, but I think 2-0 kind of accurately reflected just how useful the teams were being in front of goal. You know, it wasn't an unfair scoreline to Sheffield United at all. Someone was talking to me about working comparing them to this season's Wolves, and I thought, I think that does a bit of a disservice to Sheffield United because what Wolves were excellent at last season was playing the top teams and giving them games and taking points off them. When in reality, when it came to actually playing the so-called bottom teams, the ones that were scrapping for relegation, they were frequently rubbish. You know, Wolves were a team that could beat us, uh, what, 2-1 not long after the PSG second leg and then lose to Burnley the following week. I think Sheffield United have actually been very good at that, about being consistent regardless of who they're playing. There's been a median level of quality and effort and engagement regardless of who they played. And that was pretty evident really on you know they started off not necessarily all guns blazing but they didn't take long to sort of figure out that phil jones was the weak link and that goal i mean phil jones is not a rookie you know he's not Mm. uh, a virgin defender at this point for him to get done so easily i mean even if you say there was a hint of a foul there he's got to be doing with that situation a lot better than he did and he just got just basically flicked him and that was it you know he, he was gone completely and somewhat unlucky for De Gea after a good save from Lundstrom. I mean, he made two excellent yeah, saves along from that, one from Lundstrom from a really good long-range effort. Uh, unlucky that Fleck followed up. But it was no more than Sheffield United deserved. You know, it was only on the half-hour mark that we actually got mm. our first shot on target. And again, that was no more than we deserved. It was another really slow performance. I mean, Gary Neville was particularly damning of the front three, you know, James Martial and Rashford for their lack of movement. What did you make to that? Do you think that was a result of not having any confidence in the midfield or do you think that their lack of movement made the midfield worse? I think it was a, a, a bit of both. I mean, I, I, I sort of agreed with going over what, what, you know, watching the game. There was no service. It was like a perfect storm, basically. There was no service from midfield and there wasn't enough movement up front. Weird, and it was weird because you know, before the game, you, you see that they've got Jagielka playing, they've got this rookie keeper, or not rookie keeper, but you know the keeper making his debut in the Premier League. And you think, well, with the pace of Rashford, Martial and James, surely we can test them a little bit, even away from home. And I just thought that they looked a bit sluggish, that they weren't getting into the game at all, the front three. The midfield was, was a, I think it was both. There was no movement up front and there was no no, no service from, from behind. But with Jones, he, he sort of creates panic all around him and chaos. And because of that vulnerability at the back, the whole team just looked a bit panicky and a bit sort of unsure of themselves. I mean, I would be if Phil Jones was playing alongside me. To be fair, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a perfect storm. No service from the middle and, and zero zero movement up front. And you're absolutely right about Sheffield United. You, you have to give them a lot of credit. They're a very good team, very well drilled, good coach, and good players. You know, they're a team. You know, it's not a, it's not a load of individuals. It's a, it's a proper team. They work together. They work hard. And they just completely outthought us and outfought us in the first half. I didn't really get much better in the second, for the most part. Really, did it? You know, I think. That first half from United's perspective was notable only for one shot on target. And, you know, that tongue-in-cheek made a joke saying this can't be United's worst performance so far this season for a first half. We got a shot on target. That's more than we've managed in plenty of other games. There was there was nothing good to salvage from it, really, was there? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was excellent because it really was not. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Phil Jones came off in uh, the halftime break for Lingard and Jesse, bless him, is still grafting and trying to make something happen, but it's not really working for At him. At least he looked quite lively, though, Lingard. I mean, he was, you know, he was trying, wasn't he? True, true. But I know yeah. what you mean. I mean, yeah, God loves a try, and we, we love a try at United. Yeah. God knows that's essentially stitched into the fabric of our DNA at this mm. point. But regardless, I mean, I guess, you know, seven minutes into second half, uh, another poor 
piece of possession by Pereira. It wasn't under too much pressure, miscontrolled the ball. And then a quick break and Muset with a great goal from just outside the box, 2-0. And you couldn't really have argued with that, really, no, could you? No, not at all. And it was too easy for them. I mean, it, you know, Pereira giving the ball away. No surprises there. But then we did have we did have chances to, to deal with it. We just looked shambolic. We were just disorganised. I don't know. It is on Pereira. But then I think Maguire could have dealt with it better. And it was a good finish. But uh, it's just too easy. It's too easy. You know, and defensively we've been better this season, but we've still just got it in us, haven't we? That just and it's it's that sense of panic again. We just mm. don't, we can't keep our heads. Same thing happened at the end, of course. We'll come on to that, but the slightest bit of pressure from an opponent, and, and that's it. We just go to pieces after that second goal, and for the most part, before Brandon Williams' goal, it was so flat, it was so lifeless, and Sheffield United were essentially very happy as I. You know, almost any other team would be in that sort of circumstance to sort of sit back in a low block and absorb the pressure. It was every single United game when we've been behind over the last couple of years, in the sense that you just wonder what it, what will, is there a chance for something to spark us into life? And I think whilst that seven minutes of watching us make chances and score goals was exhilarating because I loved it you know as soon as we got that first goal I thinking right we're going to get a second as soon as we got the second right we're going to get a third there's just that's an inevitability getting to that first goal it came out of absolutely nothing it wasn't the result of fantastic build-up work we weren't banging on the door essentially we got lucky you know it wasn't it was a good cross from Daniel James but it was headed out and Brandon Williams with a fantastic half volley to get us back on the scoreboard and actually get us going for that for the evening you know, it was an excellent goal. Don't really get me wrong. Goal, yeah. I thought Brandon Williams, despite yeah, yeah. I mean, despite the fact that he had a really difficult evening, you know, the three four three didn't really help him or Wan Bissaka in that first half because it made them attack more. And ideally, they're better at coming in from deep and trying to build up a little bit more than that. But yeah, I mean that that goal was I don't want to say lucky because it was a great finish, but the fact that it happened was almost something of an accident because we weren't really building up to that really no, were at all. We? no you, you just sort of felt well this is it we're just gonna Sheffield United are just gonna see out the game we're gonna lose and it's another terrible performance but you're absolutely right as soon as that goal went it was like an injection into the whole team it was unbelievable and that's what I mean it was it was like a transformation just a split second transformation and and you're absolutely right and I can't remember the last time I felt like this as soon as that went in you think we could win this, you know, mm. because we, we everyone just came to life. Fantastic to see the kids do so well as well. You know, the, the young lads, mm. uh, like you say, Williams, Greenwood, and obviously Academy Products in Rashford. I thought, again, I thought um, Lingard made, did make a bit of a difference. And then Dan James just suddenly came to life and, and suddenly we're just all over them. And you're thinking, well, mm. you know, we've got this in the bag now. But again, it comes back to that kind of um, not not being able to hold on to a lead. Dan James obviously rushing into a, to a challenge, and and then just panic in the box as usual. I mean, before we get to that third goal, I can tell you're desperate to talk about it. But yes, let, let, we've got two more good goals to think about before we get to that point. <laughs> just when that first goal went in, that was when the game became a little bit more stretched. That was when there was a bit more room for United, and those are the situations in which we prosper because whilst we do spend a lot of our time trying to break down a low block. It, it, this is how you should play against United, isn't it? You know, you should try and pounce on them and try and stretch us because we often can't deal with it. And when the opponent doesn't have the ball, sitting back on that low block is often a recipe to make sure you get what you want out of the game because we don't currently have the tools at our disposal in order to break that down. 
And once the first goal went in, I added a little bit of doubt into Sheffield United's play and we got a little bit more space and we suddenly started playing a little bit faster. That was when things started to happen. And it was a great cross from Rashford to get into Mason Greenwood. Again, lovely to see him get his goal, his first Premier League goal. And he absolutely deserved it. You know, the lad is an absolutely fantastic finisher from close range. And it was really nice to see that go in, especially so quickly as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and a real poacher's goal as well, wasn't it? You know, he's in the right place. We score so few of those sorts of goals. And something Solskjaer's mentioned as well, you know, we need to st- score scrappy goals as well as screamers. Yeah, he's a, mm. he's a fantastic prospect, isn't he? I mean, he's still so young. And, mm. you know, Rashford as well, you know, he's in some fa- he's in fantastic form at the moment, scoring goals for fun. And I thought, actually, he he, he, he was very quiet, as, as they all were in the first half. But it, again, you know, when that first goal went in, you just saw his, his, his body language change completely. And he looked like a different player altogether. Sometimes I think he can be, he needs to look up and, and release the ball a bit quicker, Rashford. But I think he's having a fantastic season. And, and I don't know if you credit Solskjaer with that in terms of his coaching or Gareth Southgate. I don't know. Who knows? But, it, you know, it's great to see these academy Academy products doing so well. One of the things that I'm more than willing to give Solskjaer credit for was the substitution of Pereira for Mason Greenwood because it resulted in a goal and it actually turned the tide of the game. Not, you know, ultimately, but it at least shifted the tide in our favour and that was very encouraging to see. You know, we've been critical of Solskjaer for his substitutions. That was one that worked. And, you know, two minutes after, there we are getting into the lead. You know, a great ball to release Dan James. And one of the things I've noticed about Dan James, because I'll be watching both of the Wales games. Also, side note, qualified for our third international Absolutely. tournament. Absolutely, congratulations. Week, so thank you very much. Thank you very <laughs> much. Just to point out, first one was in 1958. The second one was three years ago. So I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> Gigsy doing the business, eh? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a bit of a sidestep. I mean, after a really difficult start to the qualifying campaign where we got one point from three games, you know... I, worried that the writing was on the wall yeah. for Giggsy but he's you know Ramsey came back for that game against Hungary on Tuesday of last week and that was really key you know he came in and had an excellent performance and got both the goals Bale's been playing well Dan James has come into the side and made a real difference having Joe Allen back in the side as well as a midfield metronome certainly helped but yeah I mean he does seem to have given us a bit more character over the last couple of months and the last couple of international windows oh, good stuff. so yeah great to see us get there and Dan James segue has actually been a key part of that you know last two games against Azerbaijan and Hungary he's looked hungry he's picking up good positions and not only that his actual delivery is getting much much better you know you've seen Isn't that happen for the last couple yeah absolutely you see that happening for the last couple of games with United you looked at that situation I was I swore he was going to try and hit that across the six yard box but he took that split second to look up, see where Rashford was, and lay a perfect pass off. And Rashford absolutely buried it. Great moment. Yeah, brilliant moment. And and with with James, I, I completely agree. I thought earlier in the season, I mean, you know, he had a, a fantastic impact coming off the bench and stuff earlier in the season. But I was a bit, little bit worried about his naivety and his his um, final product. But you're absolutely right. His his vision has improved. Dramatically, I think since you know the start of the season, he does look up. He he does find his man, and obviously he's got pace to burn. Um, yeah, I thought he, again, you know, quiet first half, and then just suddenly came to life when that Brandon Williams get goal went in, and he was causing them all sorts of problems after that. And it's not just hmm. his pace anymore. You know, he's he's not intimidated by by opponents sort of you know trying to knock him off the ball and stuff. What a prospect he is, you know, because if if he can put, if he can, can continue to come in this way and at this sort of rate, then fantastic buy over the summer 
for, for mm. very little money, really. No, absolutely, I agree. And I think the fact that he's working well with Martial, and particularly Rashford, considering he's assisted like three goals in the last four United League fixtures, that's a really encouraging stat and shows that he's getting into good positions. But not only that, his delivery and his ability to actually figure out where his his teammates are going to be is improving. So I'm, I don't even mind if he doesn't even get on the score sheet. If he's going to assist like that, more power to him. And I think... There you go, that third goal, you're just thinking, this is absolutely wonderful. We didn't necessarily deserve to be in the lead, but we have turned this round through sheer force of will and excellent attacking play. It was going to be a hell of a robbery, wasn't it, if we went on to win the game, really? If, we, if we're being completely honest, it would have been a hell of a robbery. <laughs> oh, yeah, but at the same time, at that exact moment, when we're 3-2 up, you're thinking there is a fourth goal in this. And that is the frustrating thing about that game in particular, is that we didn't kill it off. And United... Every single time we've drawn a game this year for the five draws that we've got in the league, so you're thinking of Wolves, Southampton, Liverpool, Arsenal, in those games, and in particular, like Liverpool, for instance, we've conceded a late goal because we've sat back on a one-goal lead. Now, against Liverpool, that might make sense because at the minute, obviously, they're a much more functional side than we are. Against Sheffield United, we seeded the impetus, and that is the thing that I'm really struggling not to get too angry about. Because it was there. The game was there for us to win. And I get that maybe Martial might have been a little bit tired. Bringing him off a two Anzebi and trying to shore things up and trying to kill the game off. That's just not what United are very good at. We never you know, have we, been. Yeah, we, we're not very good at grinding those results out, are we? Not at all. And like I said, like I was been saying earlier, you know, we, we do panic so much. And, we, and, be, and, and also because it's happened so often this season, conceding late goals, you, you're bound to, to create panic. When you try and sit back like that, we're a much better side when we're playing with pace and attacking teams. Even Rashford came out after the game, I think, and said that, didn't he? So yeah, it mm-hmm. was bizarre. I, I, I saw a lot of people slagging Solskjaer off for, for making the Swansby substitution. I think like, there's a lot of other managers that would have done the same thing. Yeah, so frustrating because it would have done the confidence so much good as well to actually go on and and, and win that match from such a terrible position. Uh, mm. So yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I think I'm trying to sort of look at the positives. You know, we wouldn't have even drawn that game. I, th- I, th- I think Solskjaer was actually right about that. You know, we wouldn't have even drawn that game last season, let alone won it. So there are positives to be had, but ultimately it felt like a defeat straight after the match. It really did. <sighs> I mean... Ollie's right in the sense that if you look at the way that we completely capitulated to Everton at the end of last season, United in similar situations to that have capitulated. Yes, we have fallen over and we have let ship several goals and offered an absolutely abysmal performance. The issue was that decisions made as that game went on basically gave that result away for us. And the thing is, our defence didn't look anywhere near good enough throughout that 90 minutes for us to rely on them for the closing 15 in the hope that we could get through. No. And as it proved, you know, you're right about Dan James, you know, he was busting a gut to make sure that he could get back in track and he did a really good job to do that but conceded a free kick in a bad little area. That's just naivety though, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to blame him. I mean, I'm I'm not even blaming VAR for the goal either. Like, I mean, had United have had a goal chalked off for that I might have been a little bit perturbed, but it's not a clear, obvious no, handball. You know, the, the fact that it had to go to VAR showed that it, you know, it was a tenuous call at best. So I wasn't expecting it to get chalked off. But it's just the fact that the cross was allowed to go in, and no one was anywhere near McBurney to stop him scoring. You know, and I think Harry Maguire is someone who's come up for a bit of flack over the last couple of weeks, and again, a performance today, despite the fact that he was wearing the captain's armband. 
You know, I mean, I've been thinking quite a bit about this over the last few weeks. He seems like, unfortunately for the poor lad, he has been proper United advice. Yeah, I said this to my dad and my brother. Pulled last down night. to our level. Yeah, that is. Yeah, he's been infected, hasn't he? Um, we've seen it so often over the last few years with good players, talented players coming into the club and just sort of falling apart. And I don't, I don't think he's falling apart at all. He's, he's clearly a very good defender, and he was overpriced. We all we all knew he was overpriced. I mean ridiculous amount of money really for 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 him but we I think we've all expected a bit better than what we've seen and he started the season reasonably well but again it, you know, it's just it's just that sort of panic and chaos that united are all about these days that is infected him it's like a contagion i don't know i think he, i think one of the things that I, I i expected a lot more of was that sort of leadership you know and that that leadership those leadership qualities that um, a player like him should be showing more and isn't at the moment. And um, all it needed, a, it needed, a, it needs cool heads, and we we just don't have any cool heads in those closing stages of games when we're, you know, defending a, a one goal lead. I don't know who his best partner is. I just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't know who his best partner is at the minute, but I'm leaning more towards the fact that it might not be Victor Lindelof. No, well, we said that for a few weeks. enjoyed a great several months. No, I mean, I think that what you mentioned about Maguire there, I mean, you do see him geeing up players quite a lot. And that sort of stuff, you know, it's very emotive on its base level. You know, Roy Keane used to do that a hell of a lot, but he backed that up with his performance level. Exactly. It's all very well and good, you know, offering encouragement and shouting at players they do something wrong. But your performance has to back that up and it has to be solid and it has to make sure that people can rely on you. And at the minute, that's not what we're seeing. No, he, do- he doesn't look calm on the pitch, does he? Like he? No. So he's not sort of leading by example. He looks, not terrified, but you know, he quite often looks a bit sort of flustered and almost like he's trying too hard to look calm. And it's not working, you know, you can see mm. through it. I mean, I get it, though. I mean, you know, he's, he's what, 26, 27. He's come into this United side and essentially he's been asked to be the leader now. You know, there was still a void left by Vidic and Ferdinand that we haven't filled. You know, we tried Smalling, we tried Jones, tried Johnny Evans, tried all sorts of central defenders. And none of them have really worked out to the point where you could say, yes, this person should absolutely be the axis of our defence. And Harry Maguire's come into a side that is still dysfunctional and... I do think that if the side improves, and Harry Maguire will improve at United. You know, Absolutely. We know yeah. that he is... The thing is, we all know that he is better than this. I'm not suggesting that he is the best defender in the league, but we no. know that he can perform better than he is currently performing. And once United start to do that more consistently, I expect him to improve at that point. But at the minute, he is another symptom of the fact that United are, to a certain extent, pretty dysfunctional. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um... Is there anything else we really want to say about that game, apart from the fact that it really pissed us off? Uh... No. <laughs> no, not really. Nope, that's fine. I mean, I don't think we really missed much for the international break, really, did we? You know, obviously the big news, Wales qualified, just in case you didn't know. Wales did, don't did know Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, 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 we did. I don't know if you know, mate, it's the third international well, tournament ever it. that we qualified for. Why did, uh, why did no one mention this scene? No, no, I'm mad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, you know, the BBC, you know what they're like at the minute. Through know, <laughs> Tory bollocks. That sort of, sort of that's crap. a whole other conversation. Topical, yes. Um, I don't think there's much more to cover before we uh, I have a quick chat with Rich post-Astana, which is kicking off at 10 to 4 UK time, obviously because we're playing at Kazakhstan in the Europa League, because that is just the way things are done. 
Um, uh, I mean, Mourinho back in the fold. We haven't actually had a podcast since Jose Mourinho came back into his job and we'll be playing his fair Spurs side in a matter of nine days' time as we're recording this on Monday night. I'm not looking forward to that. No, all. well, you know exactly how to play against us, won't he? No, it's not hard. And he's not hard. Sort of the perfect manager to do, to, you know, in terms of the way he sets teams up to frustrate United. Um, no, I'm not looking forward to it at all. Um, I'm sort of sick of even talking about Mourinho. <sighs> Obviously, there's a, there's the whole Pochettino thing as well. This sort of spectre in the background. That's a good point, just, yeah. Looming over Solskjaer. Yeah, I'm going to jump in with a quick question about Poch there, Paul. I mean... Poch is currently available. Say we lose our next two out of our next three games, or say right now, if you had a choice, would you dump Solskjaer for Pochettino? I wouldn't know, not at this stage. It's a really tricky one, isn't it? Um, and I sometimes wonder whether it's my heart ruling my head. Um, but I do, and I've said this consistently over the course of the season. I, I do see positives in what Solskjaer's doing. Do have a few concerns about Pochettino? I could live to regret that, obviously, but right now I wouldn't know. And and, and in terms of if we lost two of the next three games, it would very much depend on the manner of the defeats and the manner of the performances. I think it'll be interesting, and I've mm. said this one to, to people uh, when Pochettino was sacked, it'll be interesting to see the United players' reaction to that news. Because you know some of these players are the same players that have sort of got rid of other managers in the recent past, or helped to get rid of other managers in the recent past through their performances. So I think it's a very fluid situation, shall we say? Although I do think as well that Edward Wood <laughs> has got a lot to lose from sacking Solskjaer potentially. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I guess to me, I look at it and thinking, well, what's most likely to happen? And I think that Edward Wood has put an awful lot of eggs in the exactly. Solskjaer basket, to use a heavily laden metaphor. Yeah. And I think that he is not minded to get rid of a manager unless he absolutely 1,000% yeah, has it does to. not reflect well on him at all if he's getting rid of another one. No, no, he won't. And, you know, the, I appreciate the fact that they're, you know, from at least what they're saying, from what the board and Woodward are actually displaying when it comes to any sort of outside discourse at least they're saying that there's a plan in place and we think that the changes made inside club doors are positive yeah. you know and there are elements to which that we can see positive changes happening on yeah. the pitch it's just that that's not necessarily translating into performances and results you know we're getting a lot of youngsters out onto the pitch which is excellent you know it's nice to see our academy so well stocked it's just that performances up to the 70 minute mark for Solskjaer are not going to help if they continue in that vein. And the thing is, we went from all the games from, say, Liverpool, and then we beat Chelsea in the League Cup, to that game against Bournemouth in the league where we were absolutely turgid. And then, you know, we played Brighton in the league and then turned out a good performance. And then it's only been two weeks, obviously, we played international break when we were serving up a performance for the least first 70 minutes, as bad as it was against Bournemouth. And the fact is, those performances are still a common theme under Solskjaer's management. And I just wonder how many more performances like that the team and Woodward can take before there is a there is a huge problem arising. Because we're not going at the table at the moment. And I do think that if results don't improve, then it's a really volatile situation. And I really don't like that because I want Ole to succeed. And I want United to... I mean, I, I would love it. It'd be fantastic. But I just don't know if those performances continue, if that's going to happen. Yeah, it's a really it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you sort of, I sort of think, well, where are these performances coming from? Because we're, we're such a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team at the moment. We can be rubbish for 70 minutes and then score three yeah. goals in seven minutes. 
Like, th- there is no legislating for that. You never know which United team's going to turn up. We're so sort of flaky and fragile, even at the best of times. I mean, even against Brighton when they scored, you're immediately thinking, oh, here we go. Mm. Luckily, we got, we got a, another goal back pretty quickly. But, you know, I just don't... I don't I don't know whether Pochettino coming in or anyone coming in with the board and the, the Glazers and Ed Woodward and, and all that other stuff, that huge stuff above the manager and the, and inheriting a, a team built by now it would be five different managers. I just not I'm not sure there's any point. Why not just give this a go? We've tried uh, more experienced managers. We've tried throwing money at it. I don't, I don't know why. What I, for me, I just think keep keep going with this for now and and see where we end up because I'm not sure anyone else could do a much better job with the players at his disposal. To me, until recruitment improves and we start bringing in players that can actually fit into what we're trying to do, and admittedly we made three good signings based on most of what we've seen so far yeah. this year. Until we start doing that and bringing in more players like better midfielders, maybe another left back if we need to do that. Because I think Pogba's gone. Absolutely. I, think... I mean, until we start consistently. Yeah, yeah. I think Pogba's gone too in the summer. I mean, I, I, w- I would expect him to be gone. But until we consistently, over a series of transfer windows, start bringing in better players and start wielding together a really useful set of performances and getting results out of them as well, not just drawing, because yeah. we've done far too much of that already this season then I don't think any manager is really going to be able to do much of a change on it. Anyway, we're getting really down on it. We've got an Astana game in a couple of days. Should we reconvene after that? Yeah, why not? Well, I guess that... Well, we scored. That's pretty much all I can say immediately. Rich, how are we? I'm not too bad. Not too bad considering the defeat that we just suffered to a terrible team from Kazakhstan. That's that's very (laughs) true. Who scored their first goals of this season's Europa League campaign... This yes. evening, yes. So I, I missed uh, pretty much all of that, was relying on text updates uh, at work this afternoon. So I'm sure you've got a much more well-rounded opinion about what actually happened today. So, you know, I guess set up some context for that Astana game. You know, already qualified for the last 32 of the Europa League. We're in now in the middle of a December fixture period in which we're going to play, what, roughly nine games next month. Plenty of stuff to, you know, deal with, I guess. And it was a good opportunity for Solskjaer to give loads of debuts out to youngsters. So, you know, in the context, I guess it wasn't necessarily the most important game. What did you take from it? I think that I, even looking at the fact that we've lost the game, I wouldn't change the decision to take the, take the squad that we did. If you bear in mind that we've got, we're obviously three already in the group. We've got Villa three day, in three days' time um, in the Premier League, which is obviously considerably more important game um, that we were playing halfway around the world. And what was it, minus 20 degrees? It was It was extremely cold, although I believe the roof was closed on the stadium, so it was, it was somewhat warmer inside, but Jesse Lingard still wore gloves. It wasn't toasty. The other thing that really um, makes it a, a valuable exercise, I think, is that, and we talked about this briefly before, but United are sitting on an under-23s team that's probably got more genuine talent in it than we've seen at that level for a very long time and we've seen Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams particularly step up and and, and do do well in games that matter for United this season but it's very very difficult to test out seven or eight players of, of sort of similar potential or or promise anyway at the same time and and so this was kind of a quite a rare opportunity to for a game that we didn't have there was no pressure on it at all to actually be able to take the most inexperienced squad united have ever probably sent out in a competitive competitive match 
Mm-hmm. So, what, the youngest we've ever put out, the youngest team we've ever put, ever put out in a European game, and the average is even lifted by the fact that 36-year-old Lee Grant was in goal. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think even going further from that, what actually happened in the game was very valuable as well, because not only did we see, I think, some more evidence of which players are potentially could potentially make the step up from under-23 football to, to competitive football more easily than others, because it is an absolutely monumental gap between the two, particularly with United in Division 2 of the Premier League 2 this year as well. But but the, the, the difference in quality is absolutely enormous. And it's not even a reflection really on, on the individual talents of the players, because some, some players will just make that step more easily than others. And other players who've got plenty of talent will need a more gradual step up and they perhaps need a loan or something similar to, to, to really sort of bridge that gap. And I think this season, with the games we've seen a lot of these young players play, we've, we're starting to get a picture of who's actually ready to contribute and who needs time somewhere else, game time somewhere else. Sure. Um, so I think we, we we actually learned quite a lot from this game. And I think there are, Ollie can probably write down the, the young players that he's seen this season now and actually make a, a rough kind of decision as to where to go from here with each of them. Sure. I mean, I guess the first thing to talk about before we get into the money show of actually looking at uh, performances tonight. Um, one, I guess the big standout from the scoreline was the fact that Jesse Lingard scored a goal for the first time since January or this year, which, I mean, it was a nice taking goal. Don't get me wrong. It was nice to see him on the score sheet. Um, yeah, again, maybe a nice move by Solskjaer to actually give him the armband as well. You know, obviously he's the player at United who's by far and away got the most appearances in that squad. And I guess you could potentially have given it to Lee Grant, but I thought that was a nice little touch. You know, I think it's very clear that Lingard's been struggling for confidence and certainly for form. And he's been, you know, one of our most flappy performers, I guess, over the last several months. You know, he, he did come on against Sheffield United earlier on at the weekend and had a relatively positive effect, but... You know he's really been hammering at it and not necessarily been getting much joy, and he hasn't necessarily been anywhere near form that we know he can actually deliver. And one of the things about Lingard in particular, I mentioned it on Twitter, he's a streaky player, isn't he? You know, you think back to uh, both of the last two years around this time. This is when he actually he doesn't get a bucket full of goals, but he actually is quite good at stringing through goals and assists around this time of year. So hopefully that'll be the start of actually seeing him. A, offer a little bit more. I'm not suggesting we should automatically chuck Dan James out of the side to accommodate him in that front three at the moment. But, you know, there is there is value to him when he's in good form and scoring goals. There's no doubt about that. Sorry, no question about that. No, absolutely no question. <clears throat> I think the thing, he didn't actually have a great game. I mean, it was a really good goal for him. <laughs> and I, hope, I, hope, I hope he takes some, I hope he take, obviously takes some confidence from them. I mean, I, I've rarely seen a player fall off a cliff quite as badly as Lingard has in the last 18 months or so, from that incredibly prolific period of a couple of months in, in the middle of Mourinho's second season to a guy who doesn't even look like a professional footballer at times when he's been on the pitch in the last few months. Um, and mm. it's, clearly, it's clearly down to confidence. He's clearly been hit very, very hard with a, with a trough of confidence. And maybe today, getting that goal and just getting some sort of rhythm back might, might help him a little bit. Um, it was a good, The goal was pretty representative of the first half of the game as well because... Astana were really, really cautious, and United were just passing it around under no pressure. Really, probably should have been a couple of goals up at least mm. um, at half time. But then the second half changed quite quickly. You could see that Astana were taking more risks; they were pressing a bit more, and you you could see that there just wasn't the experience 
in the team to manage that situation where the game had kind of started to turn against them a little bit and they were starting to see territory and possession and although the goal wasn't necessarily coming in terms of chances Astana were looking a lot more dangerous in the final third and I suppose in that situation you're kind of looking for someone like Lingard or Shaw whoever to, to calm things down but I think that there was so much inexperience in that team that it was very very difficult for anybody to have done that and it's just a real a real shame the way the game turned in the end on essentially a Absolutely awful miss by Tath Chong. It wasn't good, was it? Managed to scoop over the bar f- with an open goal from five, four or five yards. And then obviously Astana goes straight up the other end and, and score the equaliser. But the, the thing, it kind of summed up, summed up Chong's tentativeness in the, the first team to me. I think he's a player who's got a lot of talent. But everything he does, everything he's done in the first team this season has been a bit loose. Just his touch is a bit loose. His decisions are a bit loose. And that finish was just kind of... The same, I don't know if he's, maybe he's not loose, maybe he's over tense, I don't know. Um, but but he seemed to just really tighten up as he was, as he was about to finish the, finish the chance and mm. put it over the bar. And it's the kind of thing that when that happens and then the other team goes straight out the other end, it's very difficult for him individually to, um, to, to kind of overcome and difficult for the team to overcome as well. Because they're thinking we should be tuning up here and before they know it, they're one all. No, for sure. I mean, given the state of play and how snippy everything is when it comes to United Twitter you know Taith Chong's had a a lot of criticism over the last several months when he's actually come into the side and it's not that he hasn't he hasn't set the world alight by any stretch of the imagination but again the the willingness to sort of cut him down so soon is very disconcerting obviously moments like that don't help but you know I, again this is one of the situations where you were mentioning earlier on about players who could potentially do with a loan you know I think from what we've seen, Angel Gomez and Taith Chong are two players in particular, the ones that immediately spring to mind, who have been in and around the first team pitcher over the last couple of years, but never quite seemed to bridge that gap. And I do wonder if a loan to, I mean, I don't know if the championship is the right shout, but a loan elsewhere, maybe to a league like, I don't know, Belgium or something. But no, I mean, they're two players who you would imagine at this stage because they've been talked about as being ready for the first team and capable of making an impression you know they've been highly rated for some time you know Gomez got his first team debut at the end of Mourinho's first season which is what three years ago now so at at some point they are going to have to take the step up and if they really want to play for United then I think it is going to take some time away to actually get some first team experience because at the minute they don't look ready for it and you're right about the the intricacies of actually moving from under 23 football up to the first team and some players have done quite well with it Brandon Williams for one it was an interesting report this week wasn't it saying that uh, Luke Shaw has gone fallen behind him in the pecking order yeah you can see that obviously Mason Greenwood and, and Brandon Williams are the two that have made the, the step up the best so far and I think what's noticeable about both of them is that is their mentality they're both clearly very self-assured and not easily phased and they haven't really been phased by it at all I thought it was interesting after they both scored at Sheffield United at the weekend and neither of them celebrated their goal they both just basically turned around and bombed back to the centre circle to try and get another and I think that's something to do with their mentality and just the fact that they're incredibly cool level-headed customers compared to other kids of their age and, and it's not a reflection on Gomez and Chong in terms of their raw talent but some people just aren't built like that and some 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 young players need to go perhaps at an intermediate step and play every week and get used to the rhythm of that and get used to the nerves of playing in front of a lot of people every week and and just just make that that jump more incrementally um mm. and it, because you look at Chelsea if Chelsea had thrown Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham and um and Tamori in three years ago they wouldn't be ready 
but they, they became ready by going away and having really, really beneficial loan periods in which they learned they essentially went from being young boys who played football to actually being men who played football mm-hmm. and, and having the mentality that they wouldn't have necessarily had before they went. And I think one of the problems we've got at the moment, it's a problem, but it's just working out which of our players need that loan. Obviously, the flying the ointment with Chong and Gomez is the fact they're both out of contract at the end of the season, and I can't possibly see the club sending them out on any loan unless they sign new contracts. So that potentially is a problem both for United and for, and for the player. And you, you don't know whether they haven't signed the deals at the moment because there's a bit of brinkmanship going on, and they, they're both just trying to get the best deal they can get out of United, and United are willing to pay what they're asking, but they're... If I were the player and I was actually thinking I'd like to stay at United, I would also be thinking if I get this signed, I can go away and have six months on loan somewhere and that would really, really change me as a player. And I think both of those guys need that. And it doesn't have to be in the championship or or whatever. As long as it's in a good league, a good standard, a good club, then I think they, they would both go away for six months or a year or whatever and come back far, far more rounded and mature players than they are now. So, you know, Shamko got the goal at 55 and then that Bernard Orme goal uh, about five, six minutes afterwards. Who do you think of the players who might be a little bit less known to the majority of United fans really impressed you? I mean, you know, we've spoken about Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams and their players who are certainly in around the first team picture. Who else do you think could join that uh, duo in terms of actually making the jump up to the first team who could give us a bit of a hand right now? James Garner, for instance? I think Garner's probably the closest. I think generally overall tonight, United were a bit conservative in their passing for a lot of the game and didn't really take take enough risks until the last 10 or 15 minutes when we were behind. And Garner and Levitt were certainly guilty of that to a degree. But, but you saw technically that they're both very, very gifted players and they, they move the ball around well in tight spaces. And I think Garner particularly is, is one that is probably the next that we should be thinking, let's try and transition this guy to a more semi-regular first team sort of impact after that I'm a massive Ethan Laird fan I think he's absolutely brilliant and he's been so unlucky with injuries over the last couple of years and he's finally back and stayed fit for for a few weeks and I think you saw in glimpses in that in that game what he's capable of he's incredibly quick and and and, and mobile and technically really gifted and he can get forward really really well and create and he's very level-headed kid as well. If I were, say, uh, Diego Dallo, I'd be looking over my shoulder there and thinking, am I still going to be here in 18 months? Because I think he could be good enough. And I suppose the other one is, is Levitt. Obviously, his first first team action today, and we need to see a bit more of him to see how, how ready he is. But he's been far too good for under-23 football this season as well. The others that, that we saw bits and pieces of today are probably less likely to press the first team anytime soon at the moment. All right, so after this evening, I guess we've got uh, three pretty massive Premier League fixtures coming up in the space of ooh, six days. So we start with uh, Villa at home, and then we've got the return of uh, whatever one he decides to call himself at this point, along with Spurs on the Wednesday night. And then it's City away, minus Sergio Aguero, but still not necessarily a particularly appetising prospect considering our current form. Right, uh, God knows when we're getting the next pod out. So give me score predictions for all three. I think we'll beat Villa, but it will be tight. I'd say 2-1 against Villa. Villa are in good form at the moment. They're a decent team, and I think it'll be a, a challenge for us. But if we... Mm. I mean, it, it, it sounds incredible, but so much given that I don't think he's the works, but it so much depends on whether Scott McTominay comes back quickly because the other options in midfield without Pogba there are absolutely poison mm. <laughs> so it's you know that it could make that sort of difference but having said that Fred was absolutely brilliant against against Brighton so perhaps 
perhaps he can he can reprise that again. God, I, I don't even want to think about the Spurs game. You can you you can imagine, can't you? It's just I, I just get to that one that one unscathed. All of the Mourinho fanboys on Twitter can't have a party on Ollie's grave over it. Anyway, uh, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Now, Rich, thanks very much for joining me. No problem. Guys, thank you very much for listening. And don't forget, you can get us all over the internet, should you so wish. Starting off at Twitter, you can get me at you and Leonard, Paul at Paul Gunning one Rich at Rich Red Voices, and the pod at Red Voices M-U-F-C. And don't forget our blog at redvoices.net. Don't forget, you can also get the podcast on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and the Apple Podcasting app. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back at some stage, hopefully to talk about a nice couple of victories in the next coming week's Premier League games. But, well, we'll see how that goes anyway. Cheerio. Have a great week. Thank you.